Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. to tell podcast episode 116 still practicing that social distancing dexter henry brian fonseca in new york and for the first time in doing our skype podcasting we have a guest from the west coast we have been trying to get this woman on the podcast for quite some time it's not that 21 she's, months it's not, <laughs> it's not that she's it's not that she's been avoiding us because uh she loves us. We have a mutual no, there friend. There were a couple of times we were trying to do it in person. It didn't work it out. It just didn't work and out. And everybody got sick. So we're just like, you know what? Now's the time to do it. <laughs> and now is the time. We have uh, my favorite, my favorite long-form sports journalism writer, Mine Mirren no, Fader. Yeah, you're our favorite. Our favorite. So we are glad to have you on here. Mirren Fader yes. from Bleacher Report. Uh, Mirren, what's up? It's good to finally meet you, talk to you, see you, even though we are 3,000 miles apart. It's good. No, I love you guys, too. I'm so happy to finally do this. There have been so many times we got close. I was in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, didn't understand the geographic difference. Uh, You know, New York. (laughs) We were hoping that you would be in town for the draft, but uh, judging how things are going, we don't even know how that's going to play out. I know. I know. And, and we've been hit the hardest, right? New York, California. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm currently sheltering in place. Uh, I feel okay. All things considered, you know, like I'm just trying to practice gratitude, you know, it could be so much worse. I've had so many friends lose jobs. Um, mm. you know, I'm worried about my family, but you know, I'm employed, I'm healthy, I'm safe. Um, I have food, thank God. Um, but I'm definitely gaining a lot of weight with all this junk food. I've never been in, I know I've never been in my apartment this many hours at a time. It's just right mm. there. But um, you know, all things considered, I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're good. We're doing the same. Um I, I'm trying to practice that same gratitude as well, too, right? Like just being grateful that, you know, not just for work, but just time, time spent with my family. Uh, my daughter, I've been trying to really enjoy that as much as I can because, you know, we don't get all this time. We're always busy going place to place and doing what we have to do. So we appreciate that. Um, we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, we always like to do this when people first come on. Uh, we, we're very familiar with your work. We love your work, as we said from the top. Um, yep. You are, I consider, a really great journalist. Tell people how you got into the game of journalism, sports journalism. How did Mirren Fader get into this game? Yeah, so I used to be a basketball player. I I loved basketball, um, but I've always been like very short, like very, very tiny. Like I was. Oh, so you and Brian can relate together with that. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I was, yeah, I was a very undersized point guard, except I kind of played like Patrick Beverly, but more of a passer also. So, like, yeah. What was your playing style like? I'm actually very curious. No, I was exactly like Pat Beverly, Nate Robinson energy, (gasps) like very like in your face. Yes. You know, know, because I had had no, the athleticism, I mean, I was fast, but like obviously like I was not tall. I was literally five feet. 
And my mom was like, you're going to grow. I grew five inches in college. going to happen to you. Never happened. Um, so threes and floaters, threes and floaters, threes and floaters, <laughs> nice, nice little teardrop. And Dex, uh, I'm telling you, I know all about this life, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, Marin, you I said, said them you a said... story recently where, where one of the wins that we had in high school got covered in a newspaper at 10 assists, zero points. I was like, I'm not going in there. It's not happening. <laughs> Like it happens happening. like that. <laughs> I, I have never seen this on this podcast where two short people have bonded together in this way. So I, I it's feel nice. Very seen. I feel seen. That's good. Dex is just over there being six three and shit. Yeah, I'm just like, all alone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just not fair. I, tall people don't even know what they have. Like I swear, you guys just walk around <laughs> just like with this advantage, and you just don't even appreciate. Are you advantage. saying that I walk around with tall person privilege? Is that is that what's I, going on? I think that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tall person privilege. Wait, Brian. Brian, your microphone came out, so we're not hearing you right now. I caught him. He was saying stuff. I said, I, "Now you can." You yeah, hear yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. I said, "I said you could reach for certain things in the supermarket that we can't." Yo, you know I, what literally, I'm saying? Like, I literally just had that happen in the supermarket. But people use us for that. We're, we're, we're often used. People need us to <laughs> yeah, help. Yeah. Can them you in get this? Yeah. But I now I can't do that because now I'm afraid everyone has Corona, so I can't ask. <laughs> Fair point. I'm sorry. We, we, we totally derailed your story, but this was information anyway, sorry. people needed to know. People need to know. Go ahead, Mary. This okay. is true. So I love basketball. I played basketball all my life. I was like, I want to go, you know, to the WNBA overseas, all of that. And mm. uh, pushed it as far as it could go. Like I played AAU. I played my first year in college. Um, I had a horrible injury uh, right before college with my foot. I basically tore like every ligament. And so oh. all the schools recruiting me like stopped except for the one school in Oregon. So I ended up there. Um, really didn't like it, um, but was having also like an intellectual awakening at the same time, like with books and reading and writing. And um, I just started taking a lot of like interesting writing classes. And I knew basketball, you know, like that point where it's like coming to an end and you know it and you have to like move on. Yeah, um, been there. yeah we've all been there, right? Yes. And yeah. so I was just like, this isn't for me anymore. Like, you know, this, this identity that I had my whole life is no longer. And so um, I was just like, okay, like I have to do something else with my life. And, um, I was thinking like, maybe I should be a sports writer cause I love writing. Like I've literally written in my diary every day since fifth grade. Like I'm a total nerd and writer and lover of, you know, words reading. So I just thought like this will allow me to stay in basketball. And then that's how it started. So Nice. Got wow. It's just funny because Dex, you and I were talking about not that long ago about all right, the end of sort of your basketball career. Yeah. And seeing just sort of experiencing it. I know before you went to Pitt, you had played in high school. Yeah. I had played in high school before I went to St. Francis. So I feel like every uh, journalist kind of has that point where they're playing a sport. And then it's like, yo, am I really going to go pro? Like I was thinking about walking on to a college, but then I was like, I'm not going to get any playing time and I'm not going to make money playing the sport. So it is what it is. Uh, what I wanted to ask you just more about the writing side, because uh, you said you have written in a diary literally every day yeah. since what, fifth grade? <laughs> That's dope. <Okay. laughs> well, you sound embarrassed by that, <laughs> but just... But just, I feel like, I feel like in some ways that's probably helped your writing. Although I kind of want to know, uh, what can you share <laughs> in terms of like, what have you been writing down for those oh times? Because I know diaries are technically supposed to be personal, but 
one time I revisited them and I was like, oh my gosh, actual cringe. Like, I'm just going to go barf over there. But um, (laughs) the first day I started writing in my diary was the first day I played basketball. And I don't know what prompted the two. I find it really interesting looking back on it now. But I was like, because when I, that day that I played, it was so like, I know it sounds really corny, but it was so magical to me that I had to write it down because I Mm. wanted to like think about it more. And like, I don't know, writing was always like my favorite thing in school. And so I just, my first diary entry was literally like, I tried this thing called basketball and it was just really corny. Definitely the ball didn't go, like I was not a natural, but it was so dumb. It was like all the boys were there. I would see that was gonna be my follow up because I was like all the best stuff, all the best stuff is probably from like middle school to high school about all the dudes that you were pissed at throughout that time in your life. Literally, because I I started playing, so I became the first girl to join my um, elementary school's boys basketball team, and so they nice. hated it. They were like, "Why is she here?" she doesn't even play like she just bought these shoes yesterday like they were so annoyed (laughs) and uh one time this guy um who actually ended up playing d1 football he like i was guarding him and he ended up like tackling me and i went to the er and it was just it was so crazy and this guy that i had like a huge crush on like my teammate he stayed with me like in the nurse's office oh i thought he was gonna be the one that tackled you (laughs) (laughs) He was like, man, you really took that hit. And he was like so proud of me. And I was just like dying, you know. Like, inside, you were, inside you were just melting. You're like, oh, he cares. I was just like, oh my God, not only am I tough, but like my crush sees it. And like, it was just so dumb. But anyways, I fell in love with basketball. I love basketball. And uh, yeah, writing, honestly, throughout the years, like I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me like, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. I know. I told you, Dex, come on, son. We just talked about this. I know. I'm telling you. This is the the dream podcast scenario for Brian. Merritt, I don't, I don't think you understand. Like he is always championing the short folks and fighting uh, for everything. And here's the thing. I respect a lot of short basketball players for that exact reason, right? You have to earn everything that in in the game, nothing is given to you. Really short players in any sport, to be honest. Cornerbacks are like that in football. But you have to do it in journalism also because you're just a regular citizen. You're just a regular citizen and you're going in locker rooms and the athletes are 6'4", 210, and you have to earn their respect. Like, it's different. You're 6'3". You're taller than some of the point guards in the NBA. I'm probably Isaiah Thomas's height at best. No, I I never thought that all of those days playing basketball and being underestimated would actually serve me well because when I go in the locker room now – I am always underestimated. I mean, they think that I'm somebody's like sister. Like they don't think that I'm like a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had people be like, um, so like, where's the reporter? And it's like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So see, see, Dex, you got to know about this life, man. That doesn't even surprise me. No, that no, no. I, I am glad to, <laughs> I'm glad we can inform the people about that life. So Mirren, after you, you know, cause it's great to hear that inspiration that you got, you had, you were writing in the diary every day. So you always had this love. Up after you graduated college and you were making sort of that transition, right? Saying, hey, I'm done with this basketball thing. I'm going to go to this journalism thing. What was that transition like for you? And 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 how did, what, what was your first opportunity into writing professionally? Yeah, you know, it was actually um, really, really painful. I went through a whole like 
depression and um, mm. just, it was just an identity crisis, you know, because every part of me was changing. Like I wore basketball shorts every day from like kindergarten to like throughout senior year of high school. Like I carried a ball with me every day, like literally my entire years of schooling. Like you, you wow. knew me as like the girl with the basketball. And so suddenly like I wasn't her anymore. And that mm. was just like really, really hard. Like I just had no idea who I was without basketball and like, um, but I think like, I just had this determinate, like, I didn't want to be left behind. Like, I felt like life was just moving on without me and it didn't matter that my dream didn't come true. Like I had to figure it out. Like I went to a really good school, Occidental college where like everyone was super smart and like, you know, everyone had all these internships and I just felt like so behind because I just had no idea what I wanted to do anymore. Um, I, wanted to go into journalism, but obviously I had no experience. So it's not like people were like, right for us, you know, it was just like, it was very, um, it was like so many rejections. I did things that had nothing to do with sports. Like I wrote obits. Um, so I've done, really, I've done that. I've done that. I started yeah. my doing that. Yep. Right. <laughs> And, um, and, and also, you know, LA is such a competitive market. And so like, I was coming from a really small school and I was competing against all the kids that went to USC, um, with their journalism school and the Lakers internships. And so I really didn't get anything till my junior year of college. I just kept like applying and I covered my team's, um, basketball team. And I think that started to make me feel better because I realized like in telling stories about other people, like I forgot about my own. And it became like so like healing to feel part of a team again when I'm not on the team, but I'm just like near it. And I just realized and then and then I had random assignments, do a football feature, do a tennis feature. Right. And then and then I realized it wasn't about basketball anymore. It was about writing and reporting. And I started like just falling in love again, honestly, with like something new. And it was just it was so exciting. And so, yeah, so I then I reached out to like Slam and I would say like, um, how about a story on this person? And, you know, I'd get majority no's, but then I got one yes. And then one yes turned into two yeses. And then I just started freelancing in college. That's it. Wow. Okay. I have one thing I want to point out first before I get to my actual question. We have very similar, just sort of the whole wearing all the, wearing the basketball the shorts for all those years, <laughs> carrying a basketball. I used to sleep in my uniform at one point. Oh. You know what I mean? Like I like all these similar things. And then also going to schools like you went to Occidental College and I went to St. Francis in Brooklyn, okay. New York, which a lot of people outside of New York don't hear of in right. this market where there's Fordham, Syracuse in the area. A lot of kids from here also go to Northwestern. They go to Columbia, which is right there in the city. So it's just all very similar. And I'm just listening to this and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Um, how hard was it to get that first? Yes. And what was that sort of process like? Because it's. I mean, we, we know like getting the first one is always difficult and getting the ones after even more so sometimes, you know, it was really hard because I noticed that like all of my men's pitches were getting turned down, but when I pitched a woman, they said yes. And so mm. that's, that's what actually got me in the door. So I was, um, so I went to, so I've been going to UCLA basketball camp since I was like a child. Like, um, I come from a family of Bruins, like my, all, like all my three uncles went there. My mom went there. And so I used to go to the UCLA women's basketball games and I was just at a game for fun. And I saw um, this girl on the court, this woman on the court who looked exactly like Kyle Korver, literally. <laughs> and it was freaking me out. And I, she started making threes. And I was like, oh my God, like, I think, like, she must be related. And then I looked and it was Carrie Korver. Um, and they are related. Oh. 
Huh. Oh, oh, I thought it was going to be Kyle. And then I was like, oh, this is the pitch. This is the one. And so I sent it to um, the LA Daily News and they turned it down and I was so crushed. I thought it was the one. And then um, and then Slam, this is my junior year in college. Yeah. And then I pitched it to Slam and they said yes. And I couldn't believe it. Like Slam, I have been a subscriber you know, all my life, like my wall was like all the slam ups. Like I I just, it was like, it was great. And then, so that happened and, you know, actually writing about women's sports got me into a lot of spaces, but then it was very hard to tell people like, yeah, but I can write about men too. Cause they didn't know me, you know, they didn't know I played pickup with guys my whole life. Like I Mm. was one of the guys, but they just, they didn't know that. And so it took a while to like, get people to understand I'm not like a woman's writer I'm not like a woman's basketball person I'm just like a writer that happens to be a woman that can write about any sport but yeah it took a while to get that do you you think that they pigeonholed you in the early going because like okay you're a woman so you can't write about men is that do you think that that's what they were thinking when that was going on yeah I think a lot of places were a little hesitant in that sense I also think like so I so I started my career at the Orange County Register at from 2013 to 2017. And I had reached out to like over 50 places and I either got like no's or didn't hear back. And they were the only place that I heard back from. So when I was there, I was covering men's sports. Like I was doing Cal State Fullerton baseball. I was doing like UC Irvine basketball. Like I was doing all the high school stuff, all the men's stuff. But on the side, I was freelancing a bit for ESPNW, and obviously ESPNW was a lot of women's stuff. And so because right. that, that was national and the OC stuff was local and behind a paywall, people kind of like were starting to associate me with just like ESPNW. And it was hard to like say like, no, like I do baseball or I do They put NBA. you in a box. Yeah. So I found yeah. myself. So I called it the women's box and um, <laughs> I, I was like stuck in it. And, and I hate saying that because I know there's so many women that feel so much pride covering women and I do too I don't want that to get confused I love covering women I have my entire career I still do but it's not like I don't want to be like defined by that I want to be able to cover everything so it did take a while I think once LaMelo Ball came out it was like okay like Miran can cover Mm -hmm. you know basketball and like NBA and so that that was really good for me to break out of that a bit I think well, we're going to get back to that LaMelo Ball story. I did want to ask, because Brian brought up something about you guys having a very similar experience, not just in the height, right? But also the um, also the, the the college experience. And I feel like I have that same one, too, because I went to a not, not a big journalism school, right? And I have always I said... Mean, I, I mean, it was still university, though. I mean, it know? was. Like... It was. But I, look, 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 look. This is not the height But privilege. I know what you mean. Y'all yeah, are like I, the redheaded stepchild of yeah. the ACC. I get it. I mean, no, I, I, I didn't go to Syracuse. I didn't go to Northwestern. Um, a lot of people coming from my school are not re- reporters. Ne- never That's mind true. reporting on a national level. So for me, I've always had this chip on my shoulder, and I'll say to some degree. I know Brian and I've talked about this. Mirren, do you feel like you've had that because you had to navigate in spaces where you weren't? Nothing was pretty much handed to you, right? You, you weren't a kid that went to USC or UCLA and, and had these opportunities. Do you have you always felt like you had that chip on your shoulder as well? Yeah, I definitely did. Like when I would finally get the internships and I would like be around them, I felt like there was just like such an arrogance that they had of like going to these schools and like, and I just, I felt it and I just, but then, you know, I had one, so I did an internship with ABC Sports my junior summer after my junior year. And, you know, the editor was like, Occidental College, that's new. That's different. I like it. And it, 
so at that point it just made me think like okay like that's awesome like I learned different skills you know we didn't even have journalism there's no journalism program at mm. Oxy like, so mm. I was an, I was an English major so you know I, I learned to I felt the chip but I learned to appreciate such a great education like what I did have like I learned to close read I got to have mentors as professors you know like there were so many things that I did have and did get that are beyond you know journalism and all those things but yeah I felt many chips I, I thought you know, being short, like we talked about, like still a thing. Um, I look really young. So people think I'm like an intern. Um, you know, most sports writers are male. The women that you see are mostly on TV. So mm-hmm. I did, but, but it's the same with, you know, being a basketball player and you feel that determination to prove everyone wrong. I, I really felt that way in journalism too. I was just like, you know, I have to show people I can do this. Cause at the OC register, you know, they really didn't see my potential. Like I just wasn't moving up. Uh, I was an all boys club. I was there for four years. Like I didn't get raises. I mean, it was rough. I was wow. really grinding. I was really struggling. And, um, so I definitely was just determined to prove people wrong. What was the, what was the jump like for you? Um, getting to Bleacher Report and getting that opportunity and working under our great friend, Christina Tapper for some time. <laughs> um, shout out to, two-time shout out to, yeah, two time podcast guest. Shout out to Christina. Uh, Marin, what, what was it like to find, to get to Bleach Report where you're now, where it seems like you've kind of opened your wings a lot more, right? And, and writing, I would figure, more of the stories that you've always kind of wanted to tell. Yeah, I mean, I cannot declare my love uh, for Christina enough. I mean, I just <laughs> literally, I love that woman. Like, I owe her so much. Like, my career would not happen without her. I mean, she, as soon as she got hired um, to be our managing editor, she was like, I'm hiring you. You're my first hire. Because I was a freelancer. I was freelance for BR for over a year while I was still at the register. And I just wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting the job. Same with ESPN. I was just like, why won't anybody hire me? You know, I was half mm. ESPN, half BR. And as soon as, you know, Christina um, got her position, she was like, no, I want you. And so I owe so much to her. And I think coming to Bleacher was just, it was just the best thing that could ever happen. You know, like, I think when I first started out in journalism, a lot of people were like, why do you want to be a features writer? Like, you know, you need to be a beat writer. And I just mm. didn't want to. I didn't care. I think because like basketball was over for me, I just stopped caring about it in the way that I used to. Like, I used to be an encyclopedia person. Like I could tell you where somebody played, who they are. And then all that stuff just became like so irrelevant. Like I don't really care that this person had 11 rebounds. I wanted like something deeper. And, no, you're hitting us in the soul. Yes, you're hitting is, us in the soul. Is, this is the shit that we be talking about, Marin. I'm telling and, you. And Marin, you, Marin <laughs> you, you, and I, you and I had this. I once We once DM'd each other. And we were talking about long-form journalism, right? And you were talking. I was talking to you about what you do and how I really – I'm trying to get into more doing sports in the long form. And this is a question I'm going to have coming up for you and the love for it. But we, you kind of encapsulated what I've always felt, which is like I kind of stopped caring about the numbers part of it, right? It doesn't mean I don't want to listen to it anymore, but I feel yeah. like there's so much more to offer in the storytelling than that. You yeah. can continue. Like, yeah. the in, like the individual games aren't as important as you think they are at one point in your life, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like it used to. If I had a bad game, I mean, it would just wreck my entire soul. Same. And now I'm just like, I look back and I'm like, God, I wasted so many years like crying about bad <laughs> games. I have no impact on my future right now. And, um, you know, I just look at it now and it's like the, the, my, the, my approach and why I love 
working at Bleacher to your previous point is yeah. that like I'm yeah. not really concerned about the physical. I'm concerned about what's going on in here and and here, you know, the head and the heart. Like that is so much more like the inward journey is so much more important to me than than the outward. So they're in, they're they're related. Like I touch on obviously someone's skill because whatever you do on the court is impacted by everything that happens to you off the court and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Just like, I think I, re I'm, I don't really feel I'm a sports writer, but I'm really a writer that writes about people and you know, that happen to play sports. Exactly. I like, I, I like uh -huh. that. I like that a lot. Do you think that, um, I, I always feel like this challenge on the video side of things, right? Like, do you feel like the long form features, do you feel like that's dead? Do people still care? I love reading. I love watching this stuff Same. all the time. I love creating it. Right. Same. Do you feel like it's dead? I, I know people sometimes I feel like in the industry on writing and video, because I've done both and I've always heard like, oh, yeah. I don't know if people really care about that. I, I disagree. I think there's enough people to do. What do you say? What do you say to that, Mira? I think it's not dead. It's just shrinking because our industry has shrunk overall. And those are the first to go unfortunately, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that doesn't mean that you can't, I tell this to like students that reach out all the time. That doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's just a smaller group that's going to be able to do it, which is unfortunate. Mm. But I never finish when a long form is done right. I never finish and think, God, I really wasted 20 minutes there. I shouldn't have done that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when it's good, it's like, wow, I feel, I feel enriched somehow. I learned something. <laughs> I had an epiphany, you know, or like, oh, that was fun. So I just think like, there are people that do a really good job out there and I think I'm inspired by them. I hope long form doesn't go away because, you know, then I'll be out of a job. But I do, <laughs> that, I do think that storytelling matters and people do want real stuff. They're just conditioned to think that they don't. Like the more we tell ourselves yes. how bad our attention spans are, the more we reinforce that behavior. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Yep, I've been saying the same thing about that with attention spans. I think that's so true, right? Like, the more people reinforce that, the more people start believing it. And I, I don't think it's true at all. Like, I, I absolutely don't think it's true at all. All right, so you're, this is a question I've been asking a lot of the journalists. And we're going through this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're yeah. all sheltered in place. Uh, Mirren wants to get outside enough, and she can't, although I'm enjoying the pictures. Okay. The pictures you're posting on Twitter when you see a flower or something beautiful <laughs> that you can appreciate, I appreciate it too. Um, how has this pandemic, uh, but I'm trying to work on something around this with, with other journalists and people working in sports, but how has this pandemic affected you and the job that you do? Um, has it at all, you know, how has it affected you? Word, especially yeah. since you travel all the time and you have yeah. to be at certain places and get stories yeah, you're going to freaking other parts of the world <laughs> to talk to LaMelo Ball. And, and you can't do that now for, you know, however many months it's going to be probably. I know. My life was like really getting on planes and just going where the story goes. Like a lot of my friends would joke like, 
I saw on Twitter, you're in, you're in New Orleans. What? Like, when did you go? And I was like, Oh, sorry. Like I forgot to mention, you know, because it's just like, whatever, I'll just hop on a red eye, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, I think the kind of things that I do, like the in-person interaction is so crucial because I'm not just studying what they're saying. I'm studying how they're saying it. So Mm. like the emotion, like these things that I can feel when I'm talking to them, these things that I can see, like little tendencies. Does this person's toe tap when they're getting nervous? Do they, Mm -hmm. you know, is their hair have a flex of salt and pepper? And, you know, like it's just little things like that, that really do make a big difference. Like when you're trying to get to know somebody, like there's no substitute for in-person interaction. And so it's been really hard for me because I can't do that right now. And I think also like, you know, the good thing is I'm not a beat reporter where like my job is dependent on like covering games, but at the same time, like I got turned down for a pretty big story yesterday by an NBA player that I'm really upset about because mm. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like we're all in our houses, like, come on. But now they're like, no, I definitely want I don't want to deal with media during this. So now it's like mm. you got access bad prior to corona access is even worse during corona so who was the player who's the player she can't say she can't say she can't say you can't say i'm not gonna let her do that i'm pretty disappointed off mic off mic no okay look you see you see you see how you see how he's like patrick beverly because he just trying to pester you i'm here where are you now i'm here today man I'm like Patrick Beverly too, so I'm not cracking. Oh, <laughs> there we go. I like that. I like that a lot. Good, good response, Marin. That was an excellent. That was an excellent response. I mean, I'm disappointed that story couldn't come come about. Um, you For recently, real. you recently did a feature that I wanted to get into because I, I thought it was fantastic um, about American players overseas and how they are dealing with the coronavirus. And I thought it was just really great in some of the challenges they face. Uh, Brian and I both know a player who plays in Italy, um, and he's dealing with that. He's on lockdown overseas. I actually have been reaching out to talk to him, but haven't been able to get in contact with him. Um, oh, really? Yeah. What What gives you? What gave you the idea to do this? I mean, I I think it's good. I think people are forgetting about how some athletes outside this country are dealing with it. So I thought it was great that you brought it up. What inspired you to do the story and and, and pitch it to to do it? Yeah, you know, I think like when you have a national event, like a newsworthy event, like you're trying to like as a features writer, you have to ask yourself, like, what is everybody else doing and how can I be different? And so I was like the same story, like over and over again, like how is superstar millionaire coping in his million dollar home? You know, like, which is really different than like, like, oh, my God, like these athletes trapped abroad. So I was thinking like, God, what it must be like to be fearful in Italy. You know, I'm scared in L.A., but that's nothing compared to like Italy or Spain or all these places. And I was kind of putting the pieces together and I thought I was just going to focus on Derrica Hamby because I had did that story on the Aces mm-hmm. last year. Like I spent like a week with the team on the road. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to do the story on her. But then um, one of my editors, Elliot, um, had the really smart idea. He's like, you should just talk to like six different different athletes and do like little vignettes of their experiences. And it was such a brilliant idea because it allowed me to like um, pivot geographically, right? It wasn't just the Italian experience. It was, you know, the Spain experience. And so, um, yeah, I just, you know, you want to do your part. You want to contribute when there's something like that. So I was just glad to like be part of the conversation. Yeah, it was good to hear all those different experiences for sure. 
definitely yeah. how how did these sort of conversations come about and could you just tell us in detail like you know just what was it like getting to talk to them as all this was going on what were those conversations like beyond you know what we could just read in the story and things of that nature just you know were they were they difficult were they hard to get together with them or, or stuff like that it was definitely hard to get and then there was a lot of like um like there was a lot of difficulties post interview, like the agents would call me and be like, I didn't know my client did this. I'm concerned that the team is going to cut him. And you know, one guy in particular, because you know, they can, they can do that to Americans, like for anything. Right. And, and so they were, they were just all fearful that like by talking, they would lose their jobs or not get paid or, you know, whatever, not get groceries. And so there ended up being a lot of like back and forth after like, you know, is so-and-so's comments, you know, derogatory towards the government? And what if they get on a no-fly list? Like, there was just a lot of scary conversations that happened, actually, after I did the reporting. Um, but I think I think the people that I talked to were actually, they really opened up and they appreciated that I wasn't trying to write, like, um, oh, look at this traumatic experience. It's more just like, look, it's a really human thing. And like, imagine what these people are going through, you know, because Americans were so like focused on ourselves 24 seven. But, um, you know, we really, you know, and um, we really need to have a global perspective on things. Yeah, no, no, we do. No, I thought the piece really did that. I thought one of the things in the piece was, I, I'm forgetting which player it was, was talking about her daughter, um, who her daughter had to go back with her mom back to the States in Atlanta and, you know, just how much her daughter was going to miss her in that experience. And I thought that really, you know, humanized it for a lot of people that, hey, these people have families too. They're disconnected right. in many ways and they're just, they're just trying to be safe. Um, you've done a lot of other, what, what's the favorite, what's your favorite piece that you wrote about in the last, let's say year, because you got a lot of attention for LaMelo Ball. You've kind of been known as like the LaMelo Ball writer um, in, in, in that way, which is not a, which is not remember, a bad remember, thing. Remember, remember, Dex, don't put her in the box. Yeah. You know what? You know what, Marin? Yeah, it's so true. No, it's so true. I'm yeah. afraid of, like, I was afraid people would think like, oh, she's a one-hit wonder, you know, like LaMelo. <laughs> really? Really? Oh, like you dropped, the, you dropped the single that charted at number one and you were like, oh, shit, can I do this again? <laughs> wait, could you could, – Wait, could you actually before Dex, before you get into no, that, go question, ahead. <laughs> could you actually elaborate on this when you have as someone you're laughing, but like when you have someone or, or no, when you are someone that has a story that goes viral and like finally actually goes viral, given, you know, all the other great work you've done leading up to that. It does it make you nervous, you know, trying to follow up on that, as you mentioned, because now it's like shit, everything I have, to, everything I do now has to sort of you know, blow up in this way? Or did you not feel any of that? Yeah, I feel that um, a lot because I think, um, so my company is incredibly supportive and amazing. It's so they don't put this pressure on me. I put a lot of pressure on myself and like, I want to be great at writing in the same way athletes talk about, like, I want to be great. I want to be this. I want to be that. Yep. Like, it's, it's the same way in this. And so like, for me, like once people started to like, know my work I felt more pressure to like each one ask because you know like basketball you're only as good as your last game right and so I you know felt that pressure like well this story is not as compelling as that how am I still gonna be you know I, I think like it's I still think like an athlete so I put that pressure on myself and I've just had to learn like you know 
those fears are there because naturally like this is a really big platform and I want to perform and I understand how rare it is to have this job and I understand that it could be gone at any second. And so like, I've just really had to focus on like, why do I do this? Right. I do this cause I love this. I love this before I wanted to be great at this. Like loving it is more important than being great at it. Hopefully mm. one day you can be both, but for right now, like, you know, it's more important that you make sure that you keep enjoying what you're doing. But yeah, that pressure, like it's totally there. I mean, I, some just aren't going to be as strong because the access isn't as good or, you know, the person didn't really open up or so it's, there's a lot of variables for a long form, you know, like there's a lot of things that go into it that people just don't even think about that would influence the story, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure people, people don't. Um, What's your favorite story that you've wrote in the last year? That's what I was going to get to before. I was like, is it the okay. Lamel? Is it Sorry. the Lamel? No, no, it's okay. No, Brian had a great question there too. Is it? Um, <laughs> I got to. I got to get let the short people shine. I'm not trying to take away from anything on that today because y'all gonna come for me. So <laughs> I'm not Yo, you're, lu- you're you're lucky. You're lucky we're on lockdown right now. <laughs> oh God, you guys, you guys, you guys be coming for me. But like, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite story that you've done? I'll, it could be from Bleacher Report, but what's the favorite story you've done from Bleacher Report in the last year? Um, I think it would be the story on the Antetokounmpo family, um, with Giannis Mm. and and Alex, because it, it happened so organically. Like I just was going to profile Alex. I had no idea that Giannis was going to be in the kitchen, let alone in the house, let alone anywhere near me, you know? Mm. And so it just, I just got lucky and, um, it ended up being a story about both of them. Like, I think it revealed as much about Giannis as it did about Alex. And I think it's, that was my first story that I did where I focused on one person, but by shining a light on a person in their life, you actually are doing two profiles in one. Cause it was just Giannis, I feel like has only been known for his, like, he's, he's talked about in the sense of like physicality and like, um, wow, what a freak, you know, but, but I think like my story showed like a softer side of him, um, like paternal. And so I just really enjoyed that because it just happened so organically. And that's why, that's why, you know, you never know what the story is before you go. Like I always Mm. get nervous, like, you know, on the plane right there, I'm always like, Oh, like, what if it doesn't go well? Like, what if they don't open up? What do you think is going to happen? It's just this, it's, it's excite, it's exciting, nervous energy. But then for that story to like, take me on a journey that I didn't even expect, like that was really fun. We actually, we actually talked to Christina about this, but I want to get sort of a firsthand uh, account of this when you were traveling to the other side of the world, sort of following around (laughs) the metal ball (laughs) and all that was going on. Just what was that like? Because, you know, this is a position that a lot of people haven't been in, even in journalism, where they're following somebody in a place that they've never gone to. Christina told us about how often she was checking up on you during that time. You know, uh, your car was all messed up and icy at one point. So, like, could you could you just give us a firsthand account of, like, the nerves maybe that went into that experience and, you know, just all, everything surrounding that? Yeah, um, that story would not have uh, been done without her. So again, like all praise to Christina. Um, Yeah, I think so first to kind of back up like where I was at in my life at that point, um, we had we had layoffs at the register. So I lost my job and um, I didn't know what was next for me. And so I I became like a full time freelancer. So I was like half VR, half um, ESPN. And um, so I just 
neither were hiring me yet. I was just really nervous. It, it had been a couple months. And then when Christina sent me to Lithuania, you know, I wasn't on staff. So to me, this opportunity was more, it was like a tryout. It was, even though I had already written for Bleacher up to that point for a year, this was like the mother of all tryouts. And so I wanted to come back with a job. Like I wanted to prove that I could handle like arguably the biggest story of the year, right? Like it was a very big deal that they went over there and um, so I was so nervous. Like, I don't think you understand. Like, I was so, <laughs> like, I was like shaking, you know, like I was like on the plane, just like, oh, my God, you know, and like the first thing was like finding the plane. Right. It was like it was levels of nerves. It was like, first, we have to just get to Lithuania because like, you know, because you had to like change planes. And, you know, I forgot where we I think it was in Amsterdam at first. I'm not sure. But, you know, I didn't have a translator. I didn't speak the language. Mm. Um, I had to pick up a car and drive in a foreign country. So there was all these like anxiety. I was just like, I was anxiety. I was literally anxiety personified. And so on the drive from the airport in Vilnius to this little town was like three hour drive or something. And the roads are narrow. There's no street signs. It starts raining all of a sudden. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, please don't let me die. And then- um, And you're driving on the the other side of the road that you're not used to. Well, this- That was in Australia. In Australia, okay. Yeah. This was luckily on the same side, but still terrifying because after that first day, it would snow, and I've never driven in snow. Obviously, this is not part of the California life. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So so this is my first. So the next day, it's snowing. My car is completely like a white igloo, and I'm like, literally, what am I supposed to do? And like, I can't even call anyone because it's like 10 (laughs) hours different. So I was like, there must be a thing. Like, there must be a thing. And so I look in the car and I find like the shovel thing. And uh, I made a really funny video for my family and Christina, like scraping off the ice and stuff. And I was like, is this what I'm supposed to do it? Like, I think so. And um, so this is like Cali girl, like way out of her element. And uh, I got my first winter coat, winter boots. Like, thank God I listened to my mom because she was like, these Steve Madden fashion boots are li- like, this is not going to work. These boots are, like, like boots. Real boots. We don't have boots here. Like, we don't have, like, oh, I need to go through this. I need to trudge. You know, mine were, like, really, like, nice. Yeah. No, we 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 got the boots out here. We got Tim's. (laughs) Like, we don't don't do that. We don't do seasons in California. So I just. Jealous. Anyways, it was an incredible experience for me to grow as a person because when you get thrown into a situation like that where you're uncomfortable, you're scared, you're terrified, like you know you have to come back and deliver the story, you don't even speak the language. I had to like go up to people and be like, do you speak English? Will you translate for me? I mean, it was a lot of like, okay, you know, like let's, let's try. And, you know, the gym was closed and I would, I didn't have access anymore because LeVar was, um, like making comments about Luke Walton. And so he was like, we're not going to do any media anymore. So essentially everything goes wrong. I'm shut out when I need to talk to. And I just decide to just pop up at the gym myself. Uh, hopefully the doors open. Um, I'll just wait for everyone to show up. And then that's what happened. The door was open. I waited a couple hours somehow convinced like Lithuanian uh, scary men, authority figures to let me stay. Uh, I think this is where being short and a woman comes in handy because I, <laughs> I literally don't think they saw me as a threat. They were just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Wouldn't it happen, then, for, my, wouldn't it happen for me, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I <laughs> ended up like having a front row seat for three weeks. <laughs> Anyways, it was a really incredible experience that I can never repay Bleacher for because I got the job. Life changed completely for me, and I 
owe them everything. I owe Christina everything. Yeah, well, you did it. You you went out there and performed, and you got it done. You know, you stepped up. That's that's what you got to do. Stepped up. <laughs> stepped up. That's 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 definitely what you got to do. Brian, your mic came out again. We cannot hear you. You keep moving your mic again. I'm back. You are I'm back. back. Thank you. Did you? I don't know why that'd be happening. I just unplug he, it. He, plug he it moves. Back in I mean, you don't see like, he moves a lot. He's always moving. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Did you, did you kiss the California concrete when you landed back from Iceland or wherever it was? Oh my God. I did. I was just like, wow. I was just such a changed person. And like Christina was like, don't do anything for a couple of days. Just sleep. And it was just. <laughs> But how important, but how, but again, like how important is it to just have an editor like that? Because one of like, like me being, you know, we're around the same age. I'm like, I think a little bit younger, but when you're sort of navigating through the early parts of your career, you're fearful of getting yourself in a bad situation. Like one of the things that I don't want to be a part of is a place with bad management, regardless of brand money, all that stuff. Because if people above you, quote unquote, the people that you have to report to, if they're not, you know, if they're not respectable of your time and your health and things like that, then it's going to be a difficult working situation. So how important is it to have a Christina or just good editors and a good sort of working relationship there? I mean, it's so crucial. Like I cannot understate, I can't overstate um, how important she was to my survival. Like I, you know, I, I would call her and it was like day two and I was freaking out. Like I didn't get any interviews today. And, you know, I was like nervous, even though I had like 28 days left. And she was like, did you eat? And I was like, no, you know, I was just, I wasn't thinking about that, you know? And like, I was just so, she'd be like, how's your mental health? Like, how are you? You know, like I never had an editor care about me ever. I had Mm. editors that were so mean to me that were just so demeaning. I never had anyone care about me before. And she was the first person to not only be nice to me, but like care about me. And, you know, I will say like something, I can't say what it is, but something, something really bad happened when I was in Lithuania and it was really scary. And, you know, if I didn't have like a woman editor, I'm not sure I would have, um, you know, mention this to the editor, but I told her what happened and, um, I was really shaken up. It was really scary. And Mm. the fact that, um, she was there for me and, um, she was on the phone with me just for a really long time. And, you know, she's just like, look in the mirror, like you're here, you're okay. We're going to get back up and we're going to keep moving. And, you know, I just, that's why when I talk about Christina, it's, it's so emotional because like, she's like more than an editor to me. She's like, she's a mentor. She's somebody I'll just always be connected with. Um, we just FaceTime the other day. It was hilarious. She showed me how to do the emojis on your face, you know, when you're FaceTiming, I didn't know how to do this. And, um, <laughs> anyways, Teaching I, you new things, you know, I love her so much. So I think, you, you know, young people need editors. Like I'm lucky. I mean, I didn't have that early in my career, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really lucky to have that now. And I love the editor I have now, you know, Christina's moved on, but my new editor, Jake Leonard is fantastic. And so I just feel lucky. No, it's blessed when you have good leadership. And it's funny because I remember when Christina first came on the podcast and I was trying to get her to come on for a while, uh, Marin, you, you had quoted the podcast, I think on Twitter, you talked to me, you <laughs> talked about your love and that's kind of how I, I, I already followed you, but that's how we started like talking. And, and, you know, you told me there, he's like, Oh, I love Christina so much. And you could feel it even over the electronic communication, how much you loved her. So like to hear you say yeah. it now, you know, um, you could say that. And I, I can say, I think it's beautiful to hear that from you. And also have heard the perspective from Christina, but 
knowing that there were also women, a woman supporting another woman out in the field Word. is absolutely yeah. great. And it's why representation and diversity matters in, in journalism. And we need that more. So I guess the last thing I'm going to do, we're going to wrap to wrap up journalism is we got to ask okay. you, Marin, what do you think about where sports journalism is right now? What do you think of the state of sports journalism? Are you happy where it is? I saw, I saw the look in your face. Marin's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Marion. You look like you're going to keep it real with us. So, what, what do you, what do you yeah. think about the game yeah. is right now? Where it is? Um, just so many questions with that. But go ahead, just tell us. What, what do you think? What, what do you think? I mean, I think we can hold many ideas at one time in our heads, right? I think things are really tough. Things are really, really. Um, a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of really talented, hardworking people are losing their jobs. We're in a state of flux and chaos where, you know, businesses still haven't found a way to monetize and keep talented people in work. So there's really right. unfortunate things happening. At the same time, um, I think there's really good things happening. I think places like Ooh. Bleacher are being, I know, positivity, what is that? I'm, um, I'm here for this. <laughs> they, you know, Places like Bleacher Report are so innovative. Like our app, that's where things are going, mobile. Like I feel so encouraged by the people there that are coming up with these new things. The Athletic, um, they employed like 400 people. Like I think if you're a young person, thank God you have The Athletic. Like literally, thank God that came around. Um, so I think that there's like, at the same time that there's less opportunities, there's different opportunities and more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird how you can have less opportunities and more at the same time. But, um, you know, nobody knows like where things are going, but I do think that like, I, I don't know if I'm going off topic, but, or too creepy, but <laughs> I, I always like, you know, a lot of people reach out to me, like a lot of students and say like, oh, I wish I could do long form, but you know, I think it's dead or I feel like I don't, might not have a future in this. And, you know, my parents are like, why should I go into this? And, you know, I always tell them like, you know, when I'm in these rooms of like, trying to get hired or do jobs or stories like nobody is saying to me tell me about your social media tell me about your follower count like they want to know like what are you like in the field like tell me about your reporting what are your clips what have you done and it, it gives me faith in like storytelling still matters and I understand that like like I said a lot of great storytellers that had the skills and had the talent lost their jobs so it's not it's not a meritocracy and a lot of horrible things are happening to a lot of great people but I do think that like storytelling still matters and I think that there are some people that can still see that and so you know I always remain optimistic like I'd never told people like don't go into this like I, I reached out to a lot of veteran journalists and you know a lot of them said to me like you should not get into this and that was like 2013 when I graduated and so mm. like obviously like it upsets me when older people say to younger people don't get in this I think if you love this and want to do this you should go into it like but go into it with all your heart you know like for me as a long-form person like this wasn't like, oh, let me go try this. This was like, I have five pitches for you on Monday. I will have five more by next Monday. And if you don't like all 10, I have five more than X. You know, it was very like hustle. Same with basketball. It's just like, you have to go give everything. Like I'm very aware that I could lose my job tomorrow, not because of anything with Bleacher Report, but just because how life moves. Like you never know once you lose a job once, like you don't look at things the same. And so mm. I just vow to like always be the hardest worker and give everything because you never know. But I just know that it, it's not possible unless you give everything. Giving everything doesn't mean you'll make it in sports journalism, but you definitely can't unless you give everything. Does that make sense? No, that's actually really dope. And stay hungry. 
That's the word to all the short, shorter people out there. I mean, yes. tall people too. Stay hungry. We you got to stay hungry. Them. Yeah, you know, yeah, you got Brian. That's for sure. You absolutely Yo. have Brian. <laughs> like Brian's not going anywhere on, on that. Like. He, I mean, because here's the thing for both of you guys. You're not going to grow. You're not growing. You guys aren't going to grow. You guys are where you are, so you're going to keep the mentality that you have. And I respect exactly. the mentality. Exactly. I, re- I respect I respect it 100%. Now, Mary, I, we- just make sure, I just make sure I stay in shape. <laughs> there, there you go. Now, Mary, we got we to gotta ask you, um, with coronavirus you know, going on, you're in L.A., you're place of shelter, shelter in place as well, too. What are you doing to stay sane? You know, Brian and I have talked to some other guests about that. What are you doing to stay sane during the COVID-19 pandemic? So I'm taking like two walks a day now. Like, so about like five miles total, like morning and afternoon. And that's like literally just keeping my brain like somewhat sane, just being outside. Um, I'm definitely still like making sure that I get up at the same time I normally would nice. just to make me feel like, you know, like, okay, like you're a working human. Like you need to do the same things you did before. And like, I've struggled breakfast. with that. Yeah. Cause if you get up <laughs> at one time, you're like, I'm doing it. I'm up at seven 30 the next day. It's like 10. You just feel like, what am I? I'm just floating. And I hate the feeling of like just floating, you know, just coasting. So just try to, I'm trying to like wake up at the same time. I actually never um, spruced up my apartment much because I'm never home. And so I'm finally like decorating my apartment, which sounds dumb, but like, <laughs> you know, like I, it's, it's given me a lot of joy to be honest, because when you like the space that you're in, you feel better. And uh, I just never had time to do that because I was always on the road. And so it's just nice hanging up little things, you know, also reading a lot of books um, right now. Um, I just got a TV. I'm very behind on the times because I never had time to watch TV because if you like are a podcast person, which I am, and you go to the gym six days a week, which I do, I did before Corona, you have family that you see all the time. My family's here. You have friends that you see. All my friends are here. You don't have time for TV. So now I have time for TV. So I would appreciate if anyone send me some recs because I'm a TV newbie. What, what are you watching, okay, so what are you watching right now? Here we go. I got something right for you. Oh, Ooh, God. Because you live in California. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> what? He's going to give me a bad I don't no, know. I just haven't no, watched De- it yet. <laughs> no, Dexter hasn't watched the show yet. But you're, you, we're around the same age. So you might like this a little so, more. So I, I think won't. Dexter would like it still, too, though. <laughs> I, think, I think Dexter, I think you would like it, too. But I, I, I'm not, are like, you, fully are you sure. Are Dexter old? He I'm is. Thank you. Thank no, you. He is doing that. No, I, <laughs> no I'm just saying... I'm just saying, you know, the, the, all right. So basically, this is a show so on basically Netflix. I'm this is calling a show on Netflix. Do you, wait, first of all, first of all, do you have Netflix? Because you I said do. you're okay. I know. Okay, I have it together. I literally just started. It's been like two weeks of watching TV. Okay, there's a series called On My Block. It oh, is about it. yes. It is highly rated on Netflix. Okay. Uh, it is it is extremely extremely popular now. Me and a few of my friends watch it. We're into it. It's just. A few, you know, high school kids just running wild in California. There's some gang stuff, but some funny stuff and some, okay. you know, you, you you ain't got nothing else to do. So really? I figure, look, if I could send you that recommendation, <laughs> season three just came out. It's a okay. solid, it's a solid, you know, 30 minutes episode, okay. 10, 10 episodes a season. It's a solid watch. What are you okay. watching? What are you watching right now, Mary? Now that you got that was going to be my next question. Yeah, what are you watching? So. I just started Little Fires Everywhere, of course, because I read the book and I loved it. Uh. Um, I I saw Shrill. So I've been starting with Hulu. Um, I like Hulu. So I saw Shrill, which I like Shrill. 
Um, but again, literally, I just started. So I'm so, uh, literally, so, oh, I tried succession. What is all the hype? No, about? what? Are you, no, 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 like this the like fifth, why am fifth, i i literally was like there must be something wrong with no. me are you not paying attention enough what? and then it's like no i don't like it really like wait it. so the, if i I'm, just find it like really weird if I i'm not weird. if i'm not mistaken man i could be wrong on this the fifth episode in the first season is that the one where they have the big boardroom kind of uh the meeting and scene yeah i don't want to ruin anything for anybody yeah i feel like yeah it, it gets so really I, it gets really really good after that yeah, I've heard it gets good after. Yeah, point, but it's like, but it's like, why should? Why can't it just be good? Right? I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think... I'm disappointed in Marion. <laughs> why oh, can't man. it just be good right now? <laughs> Mary's like, I need it good now. She's like, I need it good right now. I know, I, but here's the here's the thing. I kind of I kind of feel you because you would never want somebody to say it about one of your stories, right? Like they I read know. the they, they read the lead and they're just like, no. No, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I know, good. and I gave it a very valiant try. Five episodes. That's fair. That's time. fair. That's fair. Have I, you, Mirren, have you ever been a, a, a video game person? No. Oh. You guys do not connect oh, on that. such a bummer. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just joining the 21st century, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, so you said you listened to a lot of podcasts to pass the time, I guess. Uh, what, are, what are some of the podcasts you're listening to? Because I would imagine... There's a bunch of stuff there. However, you're probably going to need to expand your rotation, given that <laughs> given that we have all this time on our hands now. Like, I know me. I'm not going to mention the names of the shows uh, because I'm not sure if I like them yet. But there's a couple <laughs> others that I had to add to the rotation because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm here. You got time. <laughs> I know. Mine are very, mine are very nerdy. I, I love the long form podcast. I love um, Jeff uh, Perlman's Two Writers Slinging Yang. I love mm. Fresh Air with Terry Gross. But I actually just started a great podcast called Floodlines um, by The Atlantic. It's about um, mm. Hurricane Katrina, and it's a nine part series, and it's so good. Like I'm, Ooh. I'm like hooked. It's I might like listen riveting. to that. That's so you yeah. would probably, <clears throat> you both actually would probably, Dexter, we talked about this before, the Luminary one with, um, what's it called, Sonic Boom, oh, about the Seattle Jordan. Sonics. Yeah. Jordan, <clears throat> God, what's his last name? It's a hard last name. I forgot what it yeah, was, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's but, so good. I heard it's good. <clears throat> I used a free trial on Luminary for it, and it was it was worth it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I got yeah. to I gotta check that one out. We got to ask That's you. another recommendation for you. We got to ask you this Thank too, you. Mary. I need them. Don't, don't trust Brian's recommendations. It's sometimes not good. I'm, I'm joking. It's a, jur- it's a I'm joking. journalism I'm joking. podcast. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm only joking. We're all nerds here. We, I, I, we are nerds. I, hey, we I, are. I raised my hand to that. I have no problem with that. Mary, are, are you a hip-hop fan? Because we also talk hip-hop here. Are you a hip-hop fan on... Uh, uh, are you a fan of hip hop? Yeah, what music? What before? Right before you're about to interview whoever it is for you know the main the main subject for your story. What are you listening to? Yeah, so I've written like every story to either D'Angelo or Daniel Caesar. So I'm more like slowed down. Wow, but, uh, yeah. And people and people people think it's weird that I listen to music with actual words when I'm writing, but I I don't think it's weird. I mean, I'm still able to like concentrate. Um, so I guess that's like more me than, you know, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah, everyone thinks, and I do my work in coffee shops too. So not only do I have the distraction of like the music, but the coffee shop, like people. Um, but that's, that's my favorite. Okay. So you're, you're, you sound like you're more of an RB person. That's something that took a while to like, I guess, master. 
because like for me in the beginning, it was very hard to listen to other words and write at the same time. But now, like, I mean, was that something that took years or was it just always there? I think I've always been like that because well, I would do the same thing with like my diary because it would just be like a full like escape. So I would just like headphones in, like world out. <laughs> and so it's the same thing with, hmm. with my writing now. Um, like I feel really weird when it's quiet and I'm writing. Like I have yeah, friends that do their writing at libraries and I'm just like, this is so awkward. It is. But like I, cause I remember I had a point where I could only listen to instrumentals. I couldn't listen to other words. Yeah. Like I remember I was studying for a chemistry test before in high school and I was really struggling trying to study because I kept listening to songs and I had to listen to instrumentals. And guess what? Your boy got a 1% on that test out of a hundred. What? <laughs> What? I was one? 16, all right? I was, one? I was 15. Not five? 15. Okay. No, one? The one, point, well, the one point was for writing my name. <laughs> it was 20 questions. Y'all both face palm. I don't know. It was 20 questions. I'm and then, yeah. touching my face. This is your fault. Yeah, I'm not, and, I, asked, and I just, I just I, did. I still, got a, I, still had a C, I still had a C plus in the class later I don't on. Know you know what's what I, mean? worse. I don't know what's, what's more shocking. The fact that you got the 1%. Which was just for writing your name, or the fact that you admitted it on this podcast. I'm not sure which one is more shocking. I, I, I'm not ashamed of my past failures because Fair it's enough. a testament to that. what I've overcome in I, life. I, all right, I, I, I have to. I have, you have to use it in in other ways <laughs> to motivate you. You know, like 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 the height instance, for example, exactly. that we talked about. Fair exactly. enough. Fair enough. I have no <laughs> argument with that. One time for your mom. One time. One time for your mom. One time. So, Marin, we uh we do the, we do a segment uh, on our podcast called One Time for Your Mind, um, and what we try to do is we try to bring news to the people that might be something different that you found out during the week outside of the world of news or sports, just something you might have came across that you was like, oh, that's really interesting, something I I, I didn't know. Um, Brian, do you have something uh for this week for One Time for Your Mind? And you know what we're gonna try I to think- do? We're gonna try to keep it. Try to keep it not corona related if we can. If you found okay. something, if you it's hard to do right this time, but if you okay. can, try to keep it not corona. What do you have, Brian? What you got this week? I I actually want you to start, and uh, you'll this, know why I'm saying that. This is this 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 <laughs> what, is this is get? this is awful because I'm not necessarily uh, sure I had something, and I was hoping you would start and I would find something. <laughs> but oh um, god, now. Have to start. Yo, know, do you, can you start? Do you have something? If you, if you, can. I have something that I thought of that's very basic. Okay. So I hope there will be no judgment because the only thing I've learned this week, I, uh, you know, I'm trying to invest in a coffee machine um, because <laughs> I can't have coffee anymore because there's nothing is open, everything is shut down in LA, yep. and I, I learned that they are incredibly expensive. Like, why is there nothing between five hundred and five thousand? <clears throat> Um, so yeah, that's what I learned. Really pathetic. <laughs> wow. I did not realize, I did not realize, I didn't know that cause I didn't realize they were that expensive too. So that is actually good. Coffee machines, really expensive. I wonder if the price of coffee, not the price, but will more coffee machines be purchased because people like you, Marin, are looking yeah. to make coffee at home. That is, I'm that not, is, that is I'm interesting. Not the only one. Okay. I'm so not I, the only one. so I have, so one, I came up, I found, I found out what mine is now, Brian. Um, it's you're gonna actually, hate me for mine. This is there, there's a reason why I'm not going yet. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's gonna be bad, but we'll we'll figure it it's out. Be bad. Um, 
So mine is, my one time for your mind is I'm actually working on a story that will uh, come out by the, after the time this podcast drops. But uh, obviously with sports being canceled, right? There is not the opportunity to bet on sports. So I found out something and I'm working on a story about how people are now looking, they're betting on the weather. <laughs> Which, oh, yeah, yeah, they're betting on the weather. And I actually came Yay. across this. Um, so you know how we have like daily fantasy sports? There is like a daily fantasy weather app. Um, and I just did an interview with the guy, one of the co-founders of it and how that's working and their numbers are increasing because people are looking for things to bet on and now they're betting on the weather. So who knew it? Wow. There is actual bets on the weather. Um, I'll post a link in the bio for this podcast with my story that's going to be on that. So it should be interesting. I mean, that blew mine out of the water. Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Marin. Whatever Brian has that's probably going to be extremely immature is probably going to blow all of our stuff out the water. <laughs> last week, last week I was on Twitter and I had discovered something. So I was looking at a post. I don't remember what exactly the post said, but the post was quoting a tweet from Ja Rule. I could not read the tweet. I couldn't read the tweet for whatever reason, <laughs> right? So I clicked on Ja Rule's tweet and I could not read it. So I go to his profile and it says that I am blocked on Twitter by Ja Rule. And I don't know why, and I don't know what I did, but I went back in my history. Dex, you want to interject? No, I was thinking about why it could be, but go ahead. I might be wrong now. Go ahead. I went back in my history. There are only two tweets that I've had ever mentioning Ja Rule before, right? So I'm actually going to pull those up right now. None of, Neither of these... Or at least to me, neither of these were inflammatory. Was me, one, was, me. was one about the Firefest and when we talked about it on this podcast? No. Huh, okay. Although, uh, I'm not positive that that wasn't tweeted out from the podcast account that I then retweeted, but I did not see that. No. So I'm not entirely sure. Got it. Um, that's actually a valid point. So apparently in January 17th, I tweeted out who decided to play Ja Rule with 19 seconds left as the Nets, as the Nets trail by four. Where's <laughs> Dave Chappelle when you need him? I was like, I don't know if that's enough to get somebody blocked, but I could see that, right? And then in November 25th, 2018, I tweeted out, why does Ja Rule address the crowd to make noise and then do the Brooklyn chants, but is immediately followed with uh, but immediately follows with some pop song bullshit that swallows the chant <laughs> because yeah um, that that happened. that that did it I think that's the one <laughs> something happened at, some, something happened at Barclays Center right where the production was like they used to have Ja Rule be like Brooklyn whatever and then it, it was just bad so I kind of shitted on him a little bit there so I was trying to figure that out but I'm not sure I always like Fifty Cent more anyway. So well, I'm actually not mad at this. He's definitely not unblocking you now if you had any chance of getting unblocked. But well, I don't but I but here's the thing. I was trying to do the math, right? I was literally breaking this down and I'm like, how much would a Ja Rule affiliation help me in 2020 anyway? <laughs> Probably not much. So it, it's fine, man. Like I remember one time we did a podcast, we were talking about Benzino killing the source, and then Benzino actually responded to the He tweet. did. I remember, remember that. that? <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Like, uh, yo, man, like, I'm here. I'm here still. I see, you know, like, see, I, <laughs> see, that's that mentality, Marin. That's the mentality. Marin, has anybody, has anybody blocked you? Anybody famous blocked you? 
I was going to say, I'm, you know, my tweets are very wholesome. Book Twitter. I don't really get into <laughs> Nobody's beefing with Mary Fader? Not happening? Nobody, nobody hates me. I mean, actually, uh, there's this guy at the register who I discovered years later when I went to see his profile. He blocked me. I don't know why. Like, literally no, no interaction. Um, it's, like, very surprising for me, obviously, because I don't feel I have any enemies. So it was really... <laughs> You're like, oh, you're like, okay. What did I do to you? Okay. You, uh, what are actually, you brought up an interesting, what are, what are some comments that you've seen from a story that have just made you laugh at the ridiculousness of, like, have you ever seen, have you ever gotten like SEC football fan or something like that? It's just (laughs) utterly ridiculous. I mean, a lot of, so like we have to respond to comments in the app now and so now i literally see what everyone's saying about them you have to wait why do you have to yeah we're trying to like boost engagement and and make it like a you know community and i don't i don't mind because some people are really nice and it's interesting but then you get some that are just like i don't even think i'm gonna repeat them but they're just so bizarre and uh you gotta repeat one of them and no. give, give us at least one. You, you can, can we save this? We can save this for off mic. We can save it for off mic since he's dying. <laughs> so, I have mic. so many off mic questions. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> at this point. I'm sure you do. <laughs> off mic. Well, well Marin, you, you've, Marin, you've been extremely grateful with your time. I know you, you messaged me and said, hey, Dex, I, we have nothing but time. And I, I hear you. But you've been, you've been more than grateful. Um, we are so glad we finally got you on here. It's good to see you too, um, in, in this yes. platform. Finally, we know it'll happen. If I'm out in LA or Brian's out there too, or you're here in New York, we'll make it happen. The next pod, actually, what we should really do is the four of us adding Christina Tapper to this and us all come together Ooh. and have a podcast, and that'll be a lot of fun. So we should absolutely we yeah, we should absolutely do that. Um We definitely should. Could you tell people where they can find you? Obviously Bleach Report, but where can they follow you? Tell them the whole, everything, how to find you. Tell them all that. Yep. Yeah, my Twitter is just my first and last name. So M I R I N F A D E R. And then I spend so much time on my website, so please check it out. It's just Mirinfader.com. There you mm. go. Mirin Fader, the great, our favorite features sports reporter. <laughs> I think she's the best at what she does. Um, again, so grateful to have you up here. Please come back again and talk to us. Uh, we'll be sure. I'm sure you're going to write something else that's really dope, and we'll definitely talk to you a, a, about it. And be safe out in LA amid all this Corona stuff. Def- definitely, oh definitely be safe. All right, so that's it for episode 116 of the Hard to Tell podcast for the great Mirren Fader. And the also almost equally as short Brian Fonseca. <laughs> that is compared to Marin Fader, not to I'm me. I'm actually slightly, slightly taller. Slightly, slightly, slightly taller. taller. But you, you, you saw a lot of the, the love among short people today on this podcast. And, and, and I know all our short listeners out there and viewers absolutely enjoyed that. I'm Dexter Henry. Stay safe, everybody. Keep practicing social distancing. And until next time, peace. <laughs>